0: Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get To
1: The Point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of To The Point Podcast. I'm Rachel Lyon, here as ever, with my co-host, Eric Trexler. Good morning, Eric. It's an early morning podcast today, yes?
0: Early. It's 9, 9.30 in the morning.
1: Hey, it's 8 a.m. I mean, we don't normally go this early. I'm on like third cup of coffee to make sure, you know, I, I got the energy.
0: My I'm first job person. in the Army uh, was, uh, you know, my first job was the Army out of high school. And I think the slogan at the time was, we do more by nine o'clock than most people do all day. I've been up for, uh, <laughs> I've been up almost four hours now. <laughs> I'm 48, yeah. and it's still I'm still living that dream of that that one commercial I saw that got me to sign up. Hey, so I, I have a quick question before we introduce our guest and get started. And we yes. we were talking about you know Monaco and and, yes. and you know the the beautiful. Uh, I guess it's a principality, not a country necessarily. We'll ask Mark in a second to qualify that. But but I showed a picture of me there running through the streets or not? In, well, right down by the casino. Did you peek? I just have to ask.
1: No, no, because just when, as soon as I heard Speedo, I just. You, can't, you were
0: out? Okay, you, good for you. Can't you're smarter unsee you're that. Than, I, uh, yeah, than I would have been. Okay, yeah. so who yeah. do we have today then, speaking of Monaco <laughs> and, and my Speedo and, and getting a lot done by nine o'clock?
1: Absolutely. Well, today we've got with us Mark Arena. He's the Chief Executive Officer and founder of Intel 471. Welcome to the podcast, Mark.
2: Thanks very much, and thanks for the opportunity.
1: Um, so we're so excited you live in Monaco, as we talked about. Um, but our other favorite story that you were telling us before we got on was how you came up with the name of the company. Can you share that? <laughs> with
0: our yeah, I, it's, <laughs> this is it's going to be a fun. really good one. <laughs> listeners, sit down, strap in, and get ready. You're going to love the, the
2: origination story. Yeah, it's a part of the test. You actually can't listen to the rest of the podcast unless you get the test right. Um. So <laughs> Intel
0: 471, or as Rachel and I call it, 471.
2: I'm not sure which one it is, but whichever works. <laughs> uh, so when we, when I, I started the company like seven or eight years ago, um, you know, we we do in, write intelligence, so intelligence, so we need to have Intel mean, meaning for intelligence. And uh, there's another company that has a letter in their name in Intel, so I was like, we'll have a number. Oh. And literally 471 was the first number that came in my head at the time. Love it. I check, intel471.com is free. I'm like, yep, let's do it. And Genius. that was it. Literally a lot of people spend a lot of time, money, thinking their company. Um, yeah. we didn't, I didn't uh, and I always get asked about it and even all the marketing people are like you need a real story behind it <laughs> I can tell a funny story though where <laughs> somebody once a prospective customer looked up the number 471 found a United Nations resolution against Israel that ended in the number 471 and asked if I was anti-Israel. I was like, whoa, whoa, no, no, random number, random number. We're now uh, 472.
0: Thank you for the advice. So so what you're saying, though, everybody (laughs) else spends more time on the number and the name than you did setting it up.
2: Exactly. And we always make the joke as well as like, hey, in future, we're going to make another company and we'll call it 472, Intel 472. (laughs) It'd only be a little bit better than 471, not much it's just just a little bit better yeah
1: <laughs> I think it's genius I, I think, think it's, it's a great story genius. I mean we're talking yeah.
0: about it for a minute or two here this is great <laughs>
1: all day long all day long um, good I PR
0: did, right I, Rachel a hundred percent something you know, to talk about, something people write about it.
1: <laughs> exactly um, now we d- do need
0: to get Margaret Cunningham on this one I think to really do the behavioral analysis oh, of Mark's brain of what like that could how mean? did four seven one? Like why was that the number yeah. that came to his mind and what does that mean yeah. for our listeners Margaret Cunningham is a Dr Margaret Cunningham I should say is a a, uh, our lead behavioral scientist here at Forcepoint. And, and, and I, I always wonder when she's talking to me, what she's thinking about my, uh,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> what's going
0: on in this, in this little uh, rattle trap box of no, mine. Not good. Uh, so <laughs> we'll have you analyze, Mark, and we'll get you some, uh, <laughs> we'll you. You some results <laughs> sets there. She
2: will probably say, come up with a result. What was he thinking? Not much. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: no, she's already used that answer on me. Okay, Rachel, back to you. 471. <laughs>
1: Four seven one. Well, I was peeking on your website though, uh, and I love the the brand video that you have with kind of like is it a mm. robot or the AI thing, and it's just so well executed. Um, but what I love about you know you, you kind of call out how a lot of the folks that work with you government, military, police, and I know you're a former Australian federal police. Um, I, I love that you're doing that. I mean, I would love to hear a little bit more about you know kind of how you how you came to that and, and kind of um, what the difference that makes uh, you know for boots on the ground. As your, as your site says.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think just going to a background. So my background originally was software engineering programming. So I worked as a programmer at university. Um, after working as a programmer, I joined the Australian Federal Police and I was a technical specialist there, not a police officer. So I was focused on um, technical support to investigations where the offenders were technical or, high, or there was like a cyber nexus, which is like everything now. But right. like a decade ago, it was kind of slightly less than everything. So it wasn't just cybercrime. I was looking at like... Child exploitation online, counterterrorism, even murders wow. and the like. Um, and I think at, uh, um, law enforcement and other like intelligence services, the focus is always the adversary. Like your adversary is a government agency, some criminals mm. of some sort. And it's very, very hard to learn that skill set right. and learn to track the bad guys and say, and think in your head, You know here's all my knowledge or information gaps that i have and how am i going to try and meet them and i still might have some gaps but based on incomplete information i need to make an assessment of it and put a confidence level on it and that's what intelligence obviously there's a process involved and that's what intelligence is like and it's totally different to the kind of forensics data-driven incident response type mindset that you see mostly in technology because mostly good good tech people are very very smart technically But they struggle to understand more from like, hey, these are my gaps. And I see it in like attribution type cases where a lot of like security researchers like especially about I've seen stuff to do with like the North Koreans where Mm -hmm. there's attacks Mm. and they're like, show me the evidence. And they think if you give it if if something is like 100 percent done deal. You know, yeah. like Cluedo, you have all, or Cluedo, you have all the clues and you know <laughs> what the outcome is. Like there's no skill required to look at something right. as 100% and be like A equals B. That's easy. Right. And you, you kind of miss the, the set. And so that kind of goes into like, I came from like a threat background focused on the bad guys. And, um, so that kind of left in from there. I worked at eyesight partners, mm-hmm. um, the threat intelligence company, FireEye acquired, and now it's part of Mandiant. Oh. Um, I was a chief researcher there. Um, and then I started Intel 471. And so that's kind of the, the kind of genesis yeah. of where I came from. And you said about boots on the ground. I mean, there's only so much you can learn from being remote from the right. adversary. It's reason why like US government and others have like CIA, which is like p- boots right. on the ground, building relationships versus NSA, which like taps things and listens. There's right. only so much you can do. And. You know, you can learn, say, Russian as a second language and obviously you're very, very smart if you can learn multiple languages. I only know English and poorly at that. Um, <laughs> so, but to have somebody in Eastern Europe who understands, you know, the local context, local behaviour nice. and engage and talk to and build relationships with bad guys because ultimately that's the adversary and that's what we do day in and day out and there's a massive differentiator between that versus somebody living in New York or London who speaks Russian yeah. as a second language and you'd be found out in a second by the bad guys right. um, as well. So that was a long-winded answer. Hopefully that kind of gives no, you a bit of insight wonderful.
1: into it. No, that's wonderful. No, I love that. And it's so smart because it's, you know, we talk so much about cyber and kind of the, the geopolitical landscape, right? And you really have to understand those dynamics today to start kind of thinking. If you don't think like the adversary, then, you know, you're never going to get ahead of the adversary.
0: So, but um, most people don't. I mean, Rachel, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast, but most practitioners we speak to, and and the ones that I interface with, they mm-hmm. they they do look at it as data more than anything. Mm-hmm. Like like they haven't been the adversary; they haven't been in the right. minds of the adversary. I, I remember the uh, Mark. You might like this story. Remember when the the North Koreans? What was that movie uh, that Seth Rogen? Um, oh yeah the one yeah yeah, where they got where they they went
2: after sony 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 pictures yep
0: yeah yeah I, i can't for the life of me i can't remember that horrible movie um that got way too much you know publicity but anyway uh i had a north korean speaker who had done uh work in north korea he had not been physically in north korea but his insight even though he hadn't physically lived there During while we were observing at a prior organization I worked at, we were observing the uh, the markers, if you will, of those of of that campaign. His insight was was incredibly impactful to the analysis Mm -hmm. compared to what just regular reverse engineers. Mm I don't want to minimize Mm -hmm. um, or or malware people were were looking at. Because he had more insight into the culture and the language, even though he hadn't exactly. lived there. So I, I understand what you're saying. But yeah. that's yeah. gotta be hard, right? How yeah, do you and get especially somebody? Especially hard as
2: well. Especially hard as well when you see like even whether it's internal or external, you wanna encourage people to be bold. Like right. the act of intelligence is your you have incomplete data set, incomplete information, and you're trying to right. judge what's what's highly likely, likely possibly happen and judge it and have data supporting that, knowing that you know, like criminal profiling, right? Criminal profiling is you, you know, look at what happened, a profiler and from a law enforcement context says, based on what I'm seeing, this is likely profile of the offender. And if you're an investigator that that's feeding into, you act on that it's 100% fact because the advantage of doing so is worth it even for the percentage that you're wrong. And intelligence is the same. And uh, yeah, there's still a lot of people in, you know, I wish the whole cybersecurity community would be better at this kind of analysis and dealing with Incomplete information than what they are. Um, certainly,
0: yeah, it's it's really tough. Like I pushed the team to get to attribution for years. Yeah, and I had five hundred reasons why we would never get to attribution, and mm. and finally we agreed. I mean, this is probably, I don't know, three or four years, Rachel. Yeah. To get them to agree to something we called basic attribution, wow. <laughs> which was yeah. hey, I think, and this is why, and I'm like, like you know, it's it's a hard space. It's very difficult. Yep.
2: Yeah, and there's word, even the intelligence agencies and us, we use like these words of estimated probability. So it's like you have highly right. likely means right. 70% and above. <laughs> Certain uh. is 100%. And then it's uh, like uh, likely. And like you have a table and you're like, all right, uh, these are the qualifiers we're going to use. So all right, team, you have these qualifiers. So you're going to say attribution to X. Here's the qualifiers you've got. I mean, obviously at some point you can do multiple at different levels. Right. Um that's what we but you probably
0: don't want to drop a nuke on somebody with 40% you know <laughs> probability of success and 452 <laughs> qualifiers right it's probably, definitely. Yeah, maybe we'll hold off a little bit longer
2: yeah definitely and That's also funny. the other thing that annoys me a bit is the attribution piece where people in information security are like I don't care about attribution I like I, I don't understand how that can't be how that can be true like you're I always do the example of hey you're an oil company you're doing a deal, you know, or like a mining company, and this is very, you know, actually happened in uh, Australia. Australian mining companies doing a deal negotiating 10-year price with the Chinese and um, and their CEO and their executives gets compromised. And so the business impact, if that is Chinese cyber espionage versus some random cyber criminal that wasn't targeted, like the business impact of that organization is massively huge, uh, depending right. on who attribution was. So I always give this example. And, uh, I mean, the reality is who, who would, who would, who did it gives you the kind of the why and the motivation. And that gives you the understanding of what the business impact is. And that's always massively important from anyone in information security. And so.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We were working with a pharma company and, 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 you know, we saw China actually making efforts to steal intellectual property and and Mm -hmm. they didn't understand like, why would they be targeted? and, you know, we, we push the team and it turns out China has the biggest cancer problem in the world. And, and mm-hmm. you know, they have a problem they're trying to solve. There's motivation yep. there. Exactly. Yep. But uh, I, I agree with you. The who, the what, the why, the how, like getting to that motivation, I think, I think it's important because people yep. only do things. They, they do them for a reason.
2: Absolutely. Yep. A lot of
0: people don't put effort into something just because. Yep.
1: Right. Usually an outcome they're trying to drive for sure. Um, right. So but speaking of business here, and, and I, I love how your, your depth and insights of, of ransomware, Mark, um, I'm so fascinated about, you know, there's there's affiliate programs, you know, ransomware as a service. And, you know, I, I've seen some statistics, you know, that it's it's been up 150 percent ransomware attacks. And I'd be interested in your perspective. Why do you think that is like, why is it ramping up? Why is it kind of the the attack of the month, if you will, uh, during this time frame?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think you got to kind of look back to where we came from. And um, at the kind of wider level, um, the cybercrime, so financially motivated cybercriminals, mm-hmm. track or evolve how they operate or their TTPs, right. tactics, techniques and procedures, a couple of years behind nation states and what they're doing mm-hmm. on espionage side. So maybe five, ten years back, um, if you had a cybercriminal go into an organization, they'll get into one system. And they wouldn't typically be able to move to other systems or move laterally within a compromised network, and that was a realm of kind of nation states did that. I mean, vast majority of cases, that was mm-hmm. that was the truth. And then over time, and you can you can see what cyber espionage uh, TTPs are because they're openly published these days by security companies talking about it, putting out public reports. And so cyber criminals are evolving a couple of years behind um, behind um, that. And at one point, then this kind of skill set where a cyber criminal get into an organization, compromise an organization and move later within the organization right. was restricted to the retail sector. So it was wow. very focused on still getting into a retail organization, um, getting at the systems that, that handle credit card payments mm. oh, right. and then using right. it to steal huge amounts of credit card information and selling it to criminals wow. in the criminal underground or deep dark web. hate that term, but people call right. it that. So it kind of started with that. So you think of like... That kind of skill set, suddenly the cyber criminals have the skill set to move laterally within a compromised organization. Right. And then at that point, you can only target retail sector and go after credit cards. That's how you monetize it. And then ransomware comes along where it's like suddenly you can monetize access to any organization within a certain size. Yes. So the way it usually what used to work with the retailers, you know, criminals, their way of working is spray and pray. So spam out, do whatever, do it en masse, you know, It's a numbers game there's a certain percentage of people going to click the link open the doc, get compromised whatever and then you look through your pool of compromised systems and obviously back in the day they would look for retail organizations to start working now they look to any organization they think could pay Mm
0: -hmm. um
2: and uh obviously that's a huge number of organisations. but they do research them very very well they Mm -hmm. use online seeing they look at the revenue look at the executives how likely it is this organization will pay a multi-million dollar ransom that's what they're really looking for. And ideally they want, they don't want to publish the clients, the right. customers, uh, the, the compromised organization's information. They just want the customer to right. quietly pay. They send them the tooling and then they move on to the next one. They're, right. They are awash with victims and they always have been. I think that's what be the move towards ransomware has been. And mm-hmm. you mentioned about affiliates and I, I think this goes into like how cybercrime works. So a lot of people think cybercrime works like like the mafia, you know, like the Godfather or uh, um, the Sopranos, where there's like the right. boss and it's hierarchical, but it's right. not. I mean, there might be a very small element of a group that does that, but mm. cybercrime is not like cyber espionage. Where cyber espionage, like a bunch of group of government folks working together, building tools right. or operations or whatever, it's very They've much got
0: plans, and and they're going to go and yeah, they know exactly what they're going after. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. But cybercrime cybercrime is less group-based and more group built by specialization so you think of like italian american mafia you know stereotypical organized crimes built on like culture of secrecy um, you know hierarchical etc cybercrime is built on a culture of like i don't trust who i'm dealing with i need to be able to uh um if they kind of have personal problems or they get arrested i need to replace them quickly so it's like built on on a on enablers all joined together and so it's like the person carrying out the ransomware attack uses it a, is an affiliate of one service, probably bought the access to a mm-hmm. compromised organization from somebody else, maybe worked with another hacker who moved laterally within the organization, right. who's different to the one negotiating with the victim to pay. And so that's how it's kind of done. So it literally is like, um, it's like SaaS, you know, software as right. a service model where you, you know, everything's moved to cloud. Cybercrime is like cybercrime is a service. Everything is moved to cloud. You're a customer of the service. They run the service percentage of it. It literally mimics, you know, like the security or SaaS industry, the legit right. SaaS industry. But, but
0: what, you're, what you're saying is they've, they've kind of moved from street crime, mugging people, knocking them off, you know, guy walking into a restaurant, give me your wallet, or I'm going to, you know, crack you over the head, pistol whip you, whatever to corporate crime, white collar crime, taking down businesses, banks, whatever. Yeah. Um, but you're also describing almost like a you know like a typical movie where there's a bank heist or something and a bunch of robber bank robbers come together to take down the biggest score ever but they don't trust each other yeah. and they may be angling to to get over on the other one if you know if i do this i'll get them to help me but i'll take the money and they and they'll be in, they'll end up being uh, you know caught or i mean it's yeah. it's really interesting the way it's evolved Question and a lot of it's
2: built people. on just on reputation as well so they don't necessarily mm, right. want to you know, screw the other person out of money right. or anything. It's more okay. like just, there's definitely reputation involved, but it's mm-hmm. very much all still like they're built on like mistrust and that if the person right. providing the ransomware service, you know, gets arrested or whatever, they'll just they'll have another ransomware service yep. bring it in. And so the underpinning of all of this is kind of the criminal underground, which is like an underground marketplace where criminals buy, sell, trade, Whatever. And that's the underpinning of everything. That's where they yeah. get the connections. That's where they get the online the services and they find people to, to replace and fit in.
0: Yeah. I remember, so we really don't have a go ahead, Rachel.
1: No, go ahead, Eric. It's um, you No, I mean I, there's
0: there's no easy answer, is what I was no. going to say. We don't have a way to say, okay, let's shut them down because it's so it's such a fragmented organization. Right. Or organizational structure, right? It's 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 very distributed.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would just say up until um, up until Colonial Pipeline, um, yeah. Western governments primarily dealt it's with really... financially motivated cybercrime as a criminal right. issue, right. like you know, and that's when law enforcement, you know, it's a law enforcement after the fact, and yeah, I think Colonial Pipeline changed things almost overnight, where it's like, hey, now. Cybercrime is such so impactful on economies. Now it's a national security threat, and so as a result, you know, intelligence, military organizations are being pivoted to focus on cybercriminals. And a couple of years ago, I never would have thought that would be happening. I think that's that's the what the response has been. I I still think as a you know, if you look at the impact of cybercrime to an to economies globally versus say another crime type, like you said, you mentioned like bank robberies or um, you know or any other you know, fraud, still cybercrime yeah. from a law enforcement side is massively under-resourced globally. I mean, yeah. US is, I mean, far and beyond resourcing other countries, but I'd say other Western countries it's still well are high. so, exactly, it's still for the impact, it's massively, and I think that goes back to it's very, very hard to gauge the impact other than we all know it's huge, yeah. um, but in general, globally, um, the law law enforcement is massively, massively under-resourced versus the problem that we that So we I have.
0: have this premise that Dark Matter was the uh, organization that went after Colonial Pipeline, right?
2: Uh, like yes. dark side, excuse me. Dark side. Dark side. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the ransomware. I mean, that yeah, was yeah. the ransomware service, but again, yeah. it might have had one of the affiliates. Right, what was the it? name yeah.
0: of the group? Forgive for yeah. me, there's a lot going uh, on in my head
2: right now. I can't remember off the top of my oh, yeah. head either. Yeah. Okay,
0: so I have this premise that the individual, he or she who selected Colonial Pipeline as a target was probably not liked by their peers in the group once the state, the United States of America government yeah. came after them. But, yeah, what but you just said is- But I would, would just say that they wouldn't
2: the, know. They wouldn't, they wouldn't, I'd never heard of Colonial Pipeline before. Right. Um, I'm sure they wouldn't have known. No, random yeah.
0: stupid mistake. Who yeah. knew the president of the United States was going to put his sights on you when you hit Colonial? Got it. But I'm sure you were still ostracized from the group.
2: Probably. But depending what on you're saying is, yeah.
0: based on the way this works and the reputation within the industry, it could have been, let, let's say the, the person's name was Yuri. Yuri's now not a fan. He, most of the people in the organiz- in the group don't like Yuri. But what you're saying is Yuri's reputation across the ransomware as a service space <laughs> probably took a big hit too. Like, oh, that's the guy who got the uh, whole industry uh, additional inspection and, and cut down on our...
2: Yeah but, but, yeah, but no no, going to use too. Yuri's yeah. going to use the name Eric for the next week or you know he's <laughs> just gonna it. his his pers- his <laughs> profile or his reputation online is is damaged and he's so maybe he'll have change. a little break and it'll change. just like the ransomware yeah. families you know So it really no,
0: what you're saying is it really doesn't matter because nobody really few people probably really knew who Yuri was anyway and and, and there's such an ease of of yeah. uh shifting almost of changing your persona mm-hmm. that Yuri had a problem. Yuri just disappears and Eric right. becomes the new Yuri. And so there really isn't yeah. even a consequence in that case.
2: Yeah. I mean, unless he's yeah. obviously identified in person or there's law enforcement right. action, um, I think right. like even with the ransomware families, you know, they, they originated from somewhere else, you know, someone claims they're going to go down, you know, they're shutting the service down. You think, are they really, I'm just going to shut down for a couple of months, and then I'll rebrand and I'll pop up as something and you different. Come back up. Exactly, mm-hmm. and it's changed a little bit. But as security researchers, you can look at, you know, yeah. the, the the malware, or the ransomware, executables, and say, hey, this is seventy percent of what this one was. It's probably just rebranded. Like mm-hmm. this is this is what happens. Um, you but know, these when people are in intelligent
0: heat. and they're able to do that. So unless they're incarcerated. There's really little ability to stop them. You can slow them down. You can impact their operation, speed bumps, as I might call it here in mm-hmm. the States. But but there's really little ability to stop them short of incarceration. Yeah, I mean, there's about. obviously
2: things you could do and, you know, maybe you out who their identity is and who they are and where they live publicly. Um, and that's been done in a number of criminal okay. cases where public... Uh, um, public indictments have been released years after the fact. There's that. But yeah, I mean, ultimately there has to be a there has to be a cost applied right. against these people and so much so. But but maybe the cost is these guys are making a lot of money, but maybe in response they're just like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna still do cybercrime, but I'm just not gonna hit US organizations. If the US right. response is so high, then that's what you'll start to see in a Yeah, I'll move to
0: easier to softer targets. Right.
2: Exactly. Well I just won't target the US. I'll be pretty open about it. So then hopefully I don't bring U.S. government against me because right. U.S. government response to cybercrime is significantly more and more resourced than other Western countries today. So maybe that might be the response which I think would still be a good one from the U.S. perspective. Um, but not, not if you're Brazilian maybe. Exactly. And, uh, but I've not seen cybercriminals that have done that. I think now they're just more careful about researching their targets and not have another you know, colonial pipeline. Obviously they didn't expect uh, there were two targets. It was colonial pipeline and um, J.M. Some food company to do with barbecue. It's so obviously you don't get oh, in the way of Americans yeah, and right. oil and J- barbecue. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: It's so. scary. All, all these uh, attackers and 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 and, and ransomware uh, tech, you know, yes. tool sets and everything. Oh, Siri heard that. Um, it, it just blends together. There's so many attacks these days. You can't even remember it as a practitioner in the industry. Yeah. So yeah, and I would say it was even
2: funnier with the oil. Like I was more interesting that. Okay, it was Colonial Pipeline, which was the thing that kind of broke the camel's back. But months and, you know, they were hitting hospitals and impacting hospitals and surgeries. Yeah. And yeah. that's super like impactful. Yeah, like Ireland got hammered. People, yeah. yeah, people can die and it's suddenly an oil company. Like, that is yeah. the oil pipeline. That was the one that broke the camel's back and made the yeah. president talk about it and let loose that's other right. government agencies. Like, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> you never know what's going to you know, We're gonna be able to holds. drive to the
0: beach. Come on, Mark. That's right. We love our gas here. <laughs> We're not all yeah. living by the yeah. uh, by the med. We're, I mean, we've got to we got to drive hundreds of miles to the beach sometimes <laughs> here in America. Yeah, love your gas and love your barbecue. Um, probably should have seen <laughs> that one coming. <laughs> Good point. Like, think, they're not local. They didn't see that.
1: Yeah, because yeah. they didn't have boots on the ground to understand the,
0: the local ground, culture. Rachel.
1: Yes.
2: I don't think any of our Americans saw that one either. <laughs> <By the way. laughs>
0: I don't think I would have, thought would the have hospital, seen that.
2: Honestly, I would have thought the hospitals would have done it, like getting yeah. hospitals, putting people's lives at risk that way, like surgery was delayed mm-hmm. or had to be moved. Um, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, I don't
0: think so because I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a drip. Like it's a water leak, but it's a drip, right? It's, it's a hospital here, it's a hospital there, it's a state government. I and mean, we, we've seen it over and over again. But the gas pipeline or the food side right. was a little more than a drip, right? That was shutting down and creating fear on the East coast. That was, nice. you know, food across the country potentially. And the press really grabbed onto that. Yeah. And I think the press drives behavior a lot of times, which is, which mm-hmm. is a good part of their job as Mark, as, as Rachel will remind us. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that was the difference right now. If, yeah. if people had started dying across hospitals I think we would have seen more.
1: You'd have to have, I think, press. significant numbers because I mean, I've only read one article where they were able to directly tie, you know, the the ransomware incident, um, you know, to a death. Uh, and I yeah, and I think I, that, I, exactly. Yeah, and that's the problem, right? You you can't make the direct connection. So then people are like, and well, it's not direct. It's not, it's not like yeah.
0: Eric died. Eric died because because of this ransomware attack. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, it is tough. I I do have a ransomware question and and I have no experience here. What is the level of ransomware attacks being inflicted on China? Ooh. You read nothing about it. Is there any? I mean, Mm -hmm. you hear a little bit about Russia. I I think it's probably a little overspray, but, but China, I mean, is anybody attacking China? Second largest economy in the world. Right.
2: I mean it would have to be. I mean, there's always so you know, I know in Russia the the Russian government takes a very dim view on any Russian subcriminal impacting Russian victims. So there's to that. To the extent
0: where we've seen people remove if, if there's if, if, if there's, you know, Russian language attributes, right?
2: Yep. And even the we criminal forums, the marketplaces don't allow you you'll be banned if you talk about anything to do with impacting former Soviet Union or Russian speaking countries. Right. Okay. Um, China, I mean, we don't we don't sell to any Russian or Chinese companies, we never would, um, yeah. so we don't really have visibility into that. But I, I mean, I, I guess there would have to be, just like any right. country has. You know, there's Americans committing cybercrime against other Americans. Right. I'm sure there's Chinese committing cybercrime against other Chinese.
0: Yeah, you never um, read about it though. I mean, there's, there's I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'll search after this. I'll do a Google search. But I was just wondering yeah. as we're talking through it, like you never hear anything about ransomware in China.
2: Yeah. Mm. Crazy. Ever. Yeah. And the Chinese
0: yeah. don't seem to be huge on the ransomware side either, at mm-hmm. least in my limited experience.
2: I mean, well, it's it sounds like they're starting to mold. Like we did some research, I think it was about a year ago, talking about the North Koreans and how the North yeah. Koreans were working well, with Russian, Russian cyber criminals. And so they're starting to mold because the most mature cyber criminals are, are Russian-speaking, just the most impactful cyber mm-hmm. criminals are Russian-speaking. So they're starting to mold into that and there's no doubt that there's Chinese cyber criminals in that right. kind of underground space where the, the Russians and others engage. But yeah, as a whole, um, I can't pinpoint any specific Chinese actors to say they're involved in these kind of things. Although I have no doubt there are them. There are, there right. are there.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. But so can we, can we please get to this next topic? Cause I'm so excited it, about it. Uh, so you know, ransomware, financial motivations, you know, that seems like the big rock everyone wants to talk about. You know, how do we mitigate the financial incentives? Yet you have these crypto-mixing companies out in the world. And I, I was reading your blog post uh, on, on your website, and it's fascinating. And I, I would love for you to break this down, how they're even able to operate. Because uh, it seems like it's just kind of free-for-all. They can do whatever they want, and no one's really looking at them. I'm trying to understand how's that possible that they can launder cryptocurrency for for ransomware gangs.
2: Yeah, I think the um, people always ask me, like, I have a lot of uh, friends that work in finance. And as I mean, anyone who's actually traditionally grown up studied finance cannot believe Bitcoin and the price that it is. And they always like, hate the fact like, is it a store of value, but it doesn't have any backing behind it or anything like that. So I tell them that bitcoin is never going to go to zero like there's, there's these mean coins dodge coin dog coin, yeah. whatever you want to call it probably go to zero but the underlying kind of why bitcoin is never going to go to zero is criminality that is like the underpinning of it whether it's like <laughs> yeah, buying drugs <laughs> cybercrime, whatever and uh, bitcoin as well um, is i mean it, it's anonymous but it's right. not secure and i say it's anonymous in that you know anybody can create a wallet there's no you know KYC, you know your customer checks or anything behind it. Mm-hmm. But if I can tie that wallet, unique wallet is yours, then obviously it's not anonymous anymore. Right. And then the, the blockchain or what the transactions are happening and wallet to wallet, you know, the Bitcoin or money moving is all trackable and all public. And that's right. the point of it. And right, by and
0: definition. Right.
2: Exactly. And so <laughs> that's how it works, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's companies, Chain Analysis and others, which focus on analyzing the blockchain. They're worth billions of dollars now. Apparently, there's businesses, Um, but then there's other cryptocurrencies which are way more um, tailored for criminality. Zcash, Mm -hmm. for example. Zcash allows you to do transaction and not have a record of it. So you can't actually trace the transaction. Um, So much so that the Russian government allegedly used it when they took NSA tools and started selling them online, allegedly. Allegedly NSA Allegedly, tools. Allegedly, yeah. Allegedly NSA Tools. <laughs> I know is a podcast, but I've got my fingers saying quote. Um but they did it. And we'll so put that they, in the show they, notes. <laughs> we'll uh, do the fingers
0: in the quote, quote show notes. Quote.
2: Um and uh so they did that and uh so they use Zcash and it's anonymous. So and then the question is why don't the criminals use something like like that that's more anonymous? And I think in some cases now they have in some ransomware you can get a discount. If you do it, if you use a <laughs> cryptocurrency that's easier, it's less less likely to be tracked because Bitcoin, like you said, you can track it from wallet to wallet and wallet. And there's these mixing services, which is like, hey, I pull everybody's money together and then I start harming it to break the connection. Right. Um, so there's things like that. Um, but yeah, you can't. I don't think you can really stop it. Like I know some people have said, oh, we should ban ransomware payments. I mean, they'll just you would just sign up with a foreign company for consulting and send the money over there. Um, I think it's more, how do you stop it as, you know, enforcing standards around, you know, publicly breached. You need to release, you need to, you know, share, you need to, you know, make that public that you got breached impact. Tell your customers in a certain period of time, maybe you're going to get fined if your security wasn't up to scratch, um, things like that. I think that's how you encourage kind of better, better behavior rather than smash people after the fact. Um, right. you know, I think I don't think we can ban I mean people will try, but I don't think you can ban ransomware payments. People will find a way to make that. You're better off banning them right. for their lack of investment in in security. Yeah.
0: Right. Wow. Right. You almost have to harden the targets to some extent. I mean there's right. more to do, but you'll never ban crime.
2: Yeah, exactly. Which is essentially
0: you, what this is.
2: Yeah. You can't you can't ban it, you can't stop it. All you can do is encourage the all of us and you know companies to be better secure, And I tell you, it's, mm-hmm. it's a hard slog, you know, when you see some of the biggest companies in the world spending the most money on information security still has incidents. Right. And, uh, it's, you know, that's kind of why the whole cybersecurity industry is booming right now. Right. right? You know, I can't, I think yeah. of like, we've been doing this Intel seven or eight years and it feels like the problem's getting worse every year. So sometimes you, yes. you, it's like, you're trying to, you know, think inside, like, are we actually good at our jobs or not? <laughs> because it's getting worse. Sorry.
0: Yeah, but that's the story of the whole industry. I mean, as, you know, with, with the creation of information technology, this is my opinion anyway, mm-hmm. we, we've become more capable. I mean, right. society has been, you know, the ease of communication, transactions, everything has 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 decreased or, or increased, I guess. The ease has increased. But the ease for crime, which leverages the same exact technologies and tool sets, has increased. I right. Mean, so... Yeah, we're doing a good job, but the attack surface is getting bigger. The number of attackers, the incentives, and everything right. else are growing at the same at the same rate. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's you know, and then cra- quantum computing's around the corner, right? So how do we we feel that is uh, going to enable the attackers in any perspective? Well, we'll see.
2: We'll see in a couple <laughs> of years. I don't know. People have been saying that quantum computing for as long as I can remember. Exactly. It's just around the corner. It's just around the corner. I. Uh, uh, I uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
2: If modern crypto, modern cryptology um, is no longer safe. I don't know yeah. what's going to happen. That's massive impact across the board. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know what the world's going to look like then.
0: It's tech, Rachel. We can use it for good or we can use it for bad. Yeah.
1: Wow. There's always the yin and yang, right? It's it's always going right. to be you know both. Um, it's yeah. like
0: fire or the aircraft. I mean, they can be used for good or they can be used for bad. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What a crazy world we live in today. Uh right, so
0: yeah, I don't my, think we're gonna be
2: out of a job anytime soon.
1: No, mm-hmm. exactly.
2: No,
0: I always say that, you know, we'll be I'd be happy to be unemployed and have to seek work elsewhere. That means the industry would be entirely secure, which is not something I will ever see. No. Yeah.
2: I don't think we ever will and I mean. I think it's just still the, the level of investment is still not there across government and commercial right. to match the reality of the threat. You know, Like you said, there's huge opportunity through, right. you know, you can get a company, you can build it in the cloud, you can scale up quickly, you can sell it to anybody across the globe. Very, very easy and very, very small. So it's almost like um, made, I guess, that's the positive. The negative right. is all the, you know, you can get your customers from anywhere, you can get your threats from anywhere. Right. Um, so, Great, uh, yeah.
0: You want want Amazon and you want to be able to communicate over WhatsApp with anybody anywhere? That's awesome. But you can also be susceptible to ransomware and everything else. Yeah. Same technology, same tool sets. Yep. Yep, Same types of tool sets. Yeah.
1: And then you get charged twice for the ransomware, right? They give you the the decrypt key, but they're like, oh, we already have your documents anyway, so we're going to leak them online, so pay us again.
0: You're still uh, dealing with untrustworthy well, criminal elements. They're so
1: greedy. Why do you got to be so greedy? You know? Yeah, I, see, awesome. I read that. I
0: don't know. I don't know <laughs> if it's like
2: the right thing. I don't know if the, I don't know if how often it is the criminals actually do that though. Like yeah. usually they're awash with victims mm-hmm. and they can only handle like negotiations with so many victims at a time and they want to get right. the money out of the pay and they want to be known as whether you're honest, criminal. <laughs> we say we delete it, you pay us the money, we agree, we're gonna delete it we're gonna move on. Usually they wanna be like that. Right. So although I've read a few stories online of like, yeah, they, they did the double ransom and stuff. I'm like, yeah. maybe they wanna retire soon or, or something <laughs> like that because generally that's not good for business. And these guys are right. business people um, right. at the end of the day.
0: Yeah right, yeah, right at the end of the day, just like the mob, you can't kill all of your uh, customers or you, you're out of business. Yeah, exactly. So you got yeah. to meter out the punishment. Okay, so as we're wrapping up, I've got a quick question for you, Mark. Crypto mixing, not a term I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with. Can you mm-hmm. can you just spend a couple couple minutes on, on on what is it? What what's the relevance here? Why should we care? Right.
2: Yeah. So crypto mixing. So if you think of like I said, like Bitcoin, all the transactions are public. So let's say um, I want to uh, I want to uh, give money to Eric, but I want nobody to connect me and Eric together. So I'm like, Rachel, I'm gonna thing. give you <laughs> exactly <laughs> Rachel, I'm gonna give you a hundred US mm-hmm. dollars and you're gonna put it in your wallet. And then you're gonna go get a hundred dollars from the bank or from somebody else and give right. that hundred dollars to Eric. So Eric right. still made a hundred dollars, but there's no connection. So think of all the that money, that same note, I give you a hundred dollar note, you give a different hundred dollar note, there's no transactional connection. So Bitcoin mixer works like that. So basically it's it's a centralized kind of middleman. So you send the money to the middleman who's the mixer who will then send a bit of the money, you know, from somebody else. So if you look at it in the blockchain, this wallet, this Bitcoin wallet, which is like your wallet sent money from, you know, this amount of Bitcoin from A to B. And you're basically putting a middleman in between. So I can't track that Mark Arena gave X amount of money to Eric. So it's that. Um, so the mixing is 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 that okay. piece. And so, so good old money
0: laundering is probably the easy way to describe surely it. It right? really
1: is. And I think they I, I read in your blog they offer options too. If you want to make it even harder to trace, you can have dynamic fees or something like that. Yeah. could you talk a little bit more about that? I thought that was fascinating.
2: Yeah, I mean sometimes because you can actually if you can figure that out, if you can trace it, because maybe if I'm gonna send you one Bitcoin and maybe the fee is always 10%. Then right. I'm gonna look for a transaction around a similar time of 0.9 of a Bitcoin. So they don't they wanna make it harder. I mean, obviously Bit, the blockchain has a huge amount of transactions going all right. back, back and forth. So they wanna make it harder to track that. So then, going, okay, it's not straight 1%, it might be 4%, or point point four of a percent, or it might be 0.8, or it might be 1.3%. Right. I'm just randomly yes. picking these numbers to make it harder to to do it. But I mean these Genius. these uh mixing. Services have been around, but uh, since almost the start of Bitcoin, so it's like what you said. It's it's plain old money laundering, and it's all about breaking that that um, breaking the chain of the transaction, right. which can be followed right. and tracked. Um, and obviously, some of these companies, you know, Chain Analysis and others, can actually now look at look at a wallet and say, okay, this transaction is going into a laundering is into a into a service of some and sort. And we know
0: that, but maybe maybe they lose that chain after that.
2: Exactly, but then maybe they're able to then identify, all right, that mixing service is that in the underground and there's characteristics around that mixing service versus mixing service A versus mixing service B. And obviously if the, you know, these are hubs and so if law enforcement can identify that mixing service and who's behind it and take it out for, maybe they can build the chain so they find who runs the mixing service, they still have the history of the transactions that were done and they can actually see, you know, who put in money and where did it go. things like that so it's still is there
0: a purpose for the mixing service other than laundering the money
2: good question i don't know i, of mean, any. <laughs> I, I mean in traditional <laughs> money
0: laundering you're talking strip clubs casinos <laughs> pizza parlors nail salons whatever right they're, they're typically cash oriented businesses where you can you can take dollars in one side send them out the, no- out the other and everything's obfuscated but they still have a purpose, right? You're getting your nails done, or you know, you're, you're you're gambling for entertainment, whatever it may be. Do these have a separate purpose? Because if not, it seems like that would be a very uh, a, a very easy thing to regulate or control to some extent.
2: Well, I mean, they already are regulated, but these are like criminal run services, exactly, right. and they're made up. Like there's no hiding about it. You can't be a transaction service without a license or without right. know your client. Okay. And so do it's more like a
0: speakeasy <laughs> in times of prohibition in the United <laughs> States where you're laundering money, but you're even illegally doing it. Like you're not even supposed to do the, uh, okay.
2: Yeah, it is it is illegal. They know it's illegal. They're targets of law enforcement. And also because of the interesting data and information they have of the different transactions, who their customers are, like who are the top people because these um, you know these ransomware organizations are using these mixing services and so they need to find out who the mixing services are and uh, how they're being used and start building the um, building the profile of the yeah. customers of the service just like affiliates of a ransomware service as right. customers of a mixing service um, and that's the that's the massive target of law enforcement so if you're running a mixing service I guess watch out because I'm sure a huge amount of resources are being spent trying to track you down yeah, and bring try you to, to justice. understand
0: you and find you. Yeah. 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 So modern day lawn, money laundering. Modern yeah, exactly. Day.
1: Yeah. Genius. Exactly. So genius. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, I know. Well, I know we're at time, Mark. So, you know, we always want to be respectful of your time. Um, thank you so much for digging into my favorite topic today. I love these conversations. And I love all the great insights you shared with our with our listeners. Uh, would love to have you back on at some point, you know, as we see more ransomware activity. Uh, jumping out, because I, I think that'd be fun to talk about things as they're happening as well. Um, yeah,
2: definitely. Happy to come back, and thanks very much for the opportunity.
0: Yeah, keep wonderful. doing what you're doing, because it does help. Please, even it does. Yeah, Hopefully, all, just we're a little. we falling behind. <laughs> I'm putting my as fingers has, in a has, leaking boat. <laughs> well, I, I think Bruce Schneier from uh, NSA, the cryptologist, once said, we're, we're we're getting better, but we're getting worse faster. We're getting right. worse or faster, something to that Worser effect. Worse or faster. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's absolutely what happens here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But we need to keep trying.
0: Definitely.
2: Awesome.
1: Exactly. Fight the good fight. All right. Well, thanks again, everyone, for joining us for this week's episode of To The Point Podcast. Um, be sure to subscribe, as always. You know, smash that subscription button. Get a fresh, fresh episode every Tuesday to your inbox. Uh, and until next week, stay safe.
0: Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts.